Hey everybody, welcome to episode 132 of Literary Disco, the 21st century canon. On September 17, 2018, Vulture published an article listing the 100 best books published since the year 2000. An admittedly early and probably futile attempt at canonization, Vulture reached out to a group of readers and writers and assembled a list of novels, memoirs, poetry and essay collections, and put them in order based on the number of mentions they each received. On the Disco today, we will discuss their selections, what we've read, what we haven't, what we think has been omitted, and or what we think needs to be removed. I am actor and filmmaker Ryder Strong. Joining me as always are novelist and critic Todd Goldberg and essayist and radio personality Julia Pistel. Hey, guys. Hey! Hello. All right, well, let's, let's channel some of our anger and frustrations into the literary realm and talk about this uh, pretty crazy list that Vulture produced. It's exhaustive. It's 100 books in 18 years. Um, I personally was amazed how few of these books I'd even heard of. (laughs) I thought I was a pretty well-read person. And I think I've read maybe 10 of the books out of 100. No. I think so, man. Oh, wow. Yes, I think so. more than that. Well, we'll we'll talk about it, but okay, maybe more than that. But... um, Certainly, in terms of like the the their top their the twelve new classics. So so the article is divided right. into the book that received the best book of the century that received the most votes, which is The Last Samurai by Helen Dewitt, which I have not read. And then, I've never even heard of it. I, I've never okay, heard so of it. Okay, so thank you. I'm not alone in this. Can we talk? I mean, that's insane that we've never heard of what you know. Clearly, these this collection of writers and critics think is the best book. Um, or is it is. Did they turn this book into that movie? No, no, I don't think so. Are no. we sure? Yeah, in the article it says, uh, it's, it actually mentioned it, I thought. Um, no, yeah, it's about a, a boy no. genius kid. Yeah, it yeah. has nothing to do with, um, with, with the, the samurai. Tom Cruise movie. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anyway, so the article is divided into. <laughs> That's probably a good. <laughs> following sign. that, um, following that 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 book, the next twelve are considered the new classics because they received the most amount of votes. Um, and then after that is the new canon, which is books that re- received at least two votes. Um, and I couldn't, you know, I couldn't believe how few of these I'd, I'd even heard of. Um, <laughs> so, how about you guys? Any first reactions to the list overall or thoughts? First of all, a disclaimer, my baby is playing with noisy things in the background and I can hear a lot of cow mooing. So if you hear that or creepy voice, that's what it is. Uh, (laughs) But I thought, um, you know, honestly, what struck me was how long 18 years is. I mean, this covers for me everything from when I was a junior in high school. It's my entire adult life of reading like current books. Mm. So... For that reason, I've read a lot of these books because I read a lot of books that were in the zeitgeist, you know, right when they came out. Um, And I thought, there's some books on here I totally agree. I mean, The Year of Magical Thinking, um, Middlesex, I had like completely forgot about the existence of that book. The Known World is an amazing book. book. I'm scrolling through it right now. Uh, Veronica, these are all really good books. And, you know, I think they actually did do a pretty good job, and they're braggy about it in the intro, of covering a lot of (laughs) genres and different kinds of writers. So I was pretty into it. I also thought that there were some really, really 
popular like pop culture popular books on this list and i think it was smart of them to include them like gone girl and harry potter um because in reality 30 or 40 years from now those are a lot of the books that will still be being read and stay in print so i was pretty into it actually um mega was not she is (laughs) not into it (laughs) Go ahead, they Todd. They picked the wrong Colson Whitehead book, um, which actually I believe they picked the wrong Colson Whitehead book. Um, I think I've probably read about 50% of these books. Um, more from the first half of the 20th century or 21st century than the last half, I think. Um, hard to tell. Um, but there's some stuff in here where I feel like they picked the author instead of the book, like sort of some of those Lifetime Achievement Awards. Right. Where they're like, oh, we never gave this guy an Emmy. We're going to give this guy an Emmy. Yep. Um, I think The Particular Sadness of Lemon Cake, for instance, by Amy Bender, who I love. I don't think that's the best book she's published in the 21st century. Yeah. Um, I, I think Taipei by Tao Lin is such a vast overstatement of the quality of the book and the quality of the writer as to be um, disqualifying of the entire list. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Which book? Taipei? Taipei by Tao Lin. You do not uh, like this book and it's high up? On uh, he's a terrible writer. Okay. Uh, he's a terrible writer. Um, <laughs> but then, um, you know, I, I've got some questions about books like Gone Girl. And it's not necessarily about their influence. It's about, um, you know... Yeah, it was a huge bestseller, and for people who had never read a book with an unreliable narrator, it was a shocking book. But if you've read books with unreliable narrators, you figured out 25 pages in, you know, what was going on. Um, Uh. That being said, I still think there are just a ton of great books that I was surprised made it on here, um, that that I was thrilled by, like Department of Speculation by Jenny Ophel, which we read on the show. Man... Probably not a week goes by where I don't think about that book. Interesting. I just, I hmm. absolutely love that book. Um, I hear the art monster section of that book quoted on yeah. my various feminist websites and mom blogs that I see so much. It's like probably the piece of modern fiction that I see the most referred to. These um, days. I'm surprised by the lack of topical nonfiction, which we'll get to, I'm sure, um, and also the lack mm. of poetry. To be perfectly yeah, honest, yeah, the poetry is a little. Um, and then, you know, I think about like Oblivion by David Foster Wallace. Like, I felt like they, they needed to have a David Foster Wallace book on the list, but it was not a great book. Right. Um, not his best work, um, and certainly not his best work of fiction. Um, and I don't think anyone's lining up at Barnes & Noble every morning to buy Oblivion, but they're certainly buying, you know... Um, Gone Girl. Gone Girl. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, I, I mean, just want to defend Gone Girl for a second, because I... I, I, I thought about this, too. I was like, really? And then I was like, no, I, it basically birthed an entire genre. Like, there's a whole series of books that are That's just true. sort of like girl books, like where they literally have the, the, the word girl in the title, and it's like a crime story. Um, but yeah. I, I also think that the like the, over, the the narrator thing that you're talking about, Todd, I totally agree with, but it is so well plotted. Like, beyond that twist, it is so well written and plotted, and I think... I think also within the the crime genre, there hadn't been the female psychopath perspective. Like you know, no, there had been really, there had but been. That, like the, she it, nailed yeah. that well. I don't know, man. Like and and then you know, I I read Gone Girl and then immediately read all of Gillian Flynn's other books, and I think like she 
you know, Sharp Objects, which is now popular again mm-hmm. because of the HBO thing, uh, is so disturbing. And, like, her willingness mm-hmm. to go to these, like, really disgusting, horrifying places, you know, with her characters and the... the, the I, I just love it. Like, I think that she... Um, she achieved something really special, even though she's super popular. I still think it's great literature. What does it say about mm-hmm. the three of us, though, that um, the book that they picked as the greatest book of the 21st century, and, and we were pretty well-read human beings, none of us had read it nor heard of it. <laughs> it means we're frauds. It means we're frauds, and you guys should go find another podcast. I mean, like I was like, oh. I mean, I've heard of Helen DeWitt, obviously, but I was like, I... I don't remember this book coming out. I don't remember anything about it. Um, I sounds a little like Little Man Tate. Um, and then I'm like, well, what was I doing <clears throat> on September 20th, 2000, when the book came out? And the fact of the matter is, I was on a book tour for my first book. So I should have been uh, in bookstores seeing stacks of The Last Samurai and people talking to me about it and me being like, what about my book? It's going to be the best book of the 21st century. No, it's not. It's not going to be. <laughs> Uh, I was applying for colleges, but I was also reading a lot at this time, too. Honestly, you know what I was reading at this point was um, another book on here, uh, The Amber Spyglass, which is a YA Mm. book, but a really good one. And I was happy to see its inclusion. It's probably the best YA book I've ever read um, because it maps onto. um, uh, Oh, my God. Well, an Adam and Eve story, and I, I won't go too much further, but it's really good. I mean, I don't know. Uh, the fact that this great book came out almost 20 years ago, I feel like you can f- forgive yourself. <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm not beating myself up over it. Um, Are you going to read it, though? <laughs> no, I don't have any intention to read it. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to read it. Man. Yeah, read it? Pro- we should probably read it so we can talk about I've bought, it. I've, I've already bought three books because of this list. <laughs> So, ah. uh, let, let's go briefly through some of the people that were the contributors um, to this list, so that so, so that you can uh, listeners can um, will recognize some familiar names. So, so Sloane Crossley, um, who is the author of the book The Clasp, our great hidden episode, yeah, our lost episode, the <laughs> one episode, episode that we could not save. Yeah, so Sloane, again, if you're listening, we loved the book. Um, John Freeman um, is another one of them. Uh, Machiko Kakatani, who was the book critic for the New York Times. Um, Wyatt Mason shows up in there. Wyatt Mason, uh, Laura yeah. Lippman, who's a crime novelist. Um, Wyatt Mason, who is a contributing writer for the New York Times Magazine and, and a book critic. Uh, Laura Miles, who's the book and culture columnist for Slate. Uh, Eileen Miles. I mean, there's like 30 people that are on this list from all sides of the, um, the literary spectrum. Um, Adam Sternberg, uh, he's a crime writer, contributing editor to the New Yorker or to, to New York Magazine. Sarah Wyman, who's got the new book out, um, The Real Lolita, that's uh, been getting a lot of attention lately. Um, so there's, it's it's a lot of people that that um, comprise this list. So I'm I'm excited by the the different voices that they have represented, and of course, with you know, you're going to get people's obscure favorites. So as I was scrolling through, and I landed on Winter's Bone by Daniel Woodrell. I was like, okay, I can die now. They put Woodrell on this list. And then I saw that it was Laura Lippman. And I happen to know that Daniel Woodrell is just Laura Lippman's favorite novelist of all time. Um, but Daniel Woodrell is one of those writers that has had such a profound effect on me as a reader and a writer that to see him on here makes me think, oh, absolutely. Like, how could that not be one of the most profound voices of the 21st century? And then I realized that like 6,000 people know who he is. 
<laughs> well, maybe more because yeah. Winter's Bone was up for the Academy Award and everything. Right. Have either of you? Winter's Bone gave us J Law. Oh, yes, I think a lot of people know what Winter's Bone. Yeah, is. the book. Maybe not Woodrow itself. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the stuff that was missing that was shocking to me, um, the one big shock to me was that Columbine was not on the list by Dave Cullen. I think it's just our favorite. Well, we're obsessed <laughs> yeah. with that book. Yeah, that's, it's, I mean, I've converted a lot of my friends to reading it, but I don't hear people mention it on the level of like, you know, Donna Tartt mm-hmm. or something that everyone else mm-hmm. is reading it. Like, people didn't all read Columbine at the same time, right. in my world. No, they've, they've read it over the course of the last 18 years. I th- well, I mean, it came out right. in 2008 or whatever it was, the last 10 years. Um, but I think for cultural importance, like, people keep coming back to it over and over and over again. That's why when we had those kids on, the, the conversation about that book was just as important in 2018 as it was the day the book came out. Um, and I think, isn't that the standard that we should place on great literature is that its importance changes and adds value over time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So on that note, um, I I didn't see, I don't think it's on here, but Adrienne Nicole LeBlanc's Random Family, which is oh, really yeah. one of my favorite books of all time, um, is just such a masterpiece of journalism and feels like a new genre in and of itself that I was disappointed not to see that on here. Um and also, and just going with your, and that's a book that's all about systematic oppression and families and timeless subjects. But the other thing is, of course, with our news going on, I immediately like, <laughs> I was like, is Alice Siebold's Lucky on here? Which is the book that she wrote before The Lovely right. Bones about her being raped. It's a memoir, but that came out in 1999. <sighs> Um, but the Lovely Bones was in the early 2000s, and I was kind of surprised it didn't show up on here. Yeah. Um, that was a really good novel, crime novel about, like, trauma and healing and rape and child yeah. abuse. The, uh, that book should have been on here by several of the measures. Maybe it's not the best book on those subjects, but it was, like, a phenomenon. Yeah, it, it was not a book that was supposed to be a huge thing. Like, it was a book that, you know, like a $5,000 advance... And then exploded. Right. Um, and right. Al Siebold was a largely unknown writer at that time. Um, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. I'm so, and that maybe it's been eclipsed by books like Gone Girl, you know? Because yeah. here you have... And, but though I, I think The Lovely Bones might be more, um, more influential for a brand of YA yeah. than... Literary adult fiction at this point. And also, it also might be hurt by a the same way oh, that God, the, the same so way that Winter's Bone is helped yeah. by a wonderful mm-hmm. film, I feel like uh, you know, like when I think of Lovely Bones, I kind of roll my eyes. I never read it, so I you know I miss that that whole thing because I saw the movie and was like, well, this is a piece of crap, um, which is probably unfair because I, but I have no interest in the book because of the movie. Right. Um, also, just that's a really good point. The book was really really good. Um, I'm now going into the comments, as no one should ever do, but it has some good points. Um, Fun Home, the graphic novel. Well, let's, in general, Um, in general, this this list has such a bias for the novel, right? Like, it's, it's, there's like, because I think all the non, we've talked about all the nonfiction things. You could also say Five Days in Memorial should be on here. Um, Mm -hmm. There's like a lot of nonfiction 
that should clearly be up here that's just not. And I think it's because they probably, you know, steered more towards novels and, and fiction. Um, and, and then poetry got screwed too. Like there's, yeah. there's, there's, there's yeah. only, I think two poetry collections in this entire hundred book list. And that's, I mean, I guess that's kind of expected. I mean, how many people are actually picking up collections on a weekly basis? Um, not well, you think that... Well, of these reviewers yeah, yeah, and writers, more. hopefully <laughs> several. But I, I was thinking just like, you know, uh, Gregory Pardlow's book that we just read, you know, which won the Pulitzer Prize two years ago. Like, that is a book that if I had read it 10 years ago, I think it might have made me a, a different reader entirely. Mm-hmm. And they sort of strayed away from a lot of the popular winners of the Pulitzer Prize and things like that. Um, but I was surprised that, like, even a book like, um, When My Brother Was an Aztec by Natalie Diaz, which I know is, uh, we talked about it on the show a few years ago, um, but I know in creative writing programs, which is, you know, the hotbed for where a lot of these ideas germinate of what's good and what's not, um, like, that's a, that's a fundamental text, um, for, Hmm. for, uh, poets. Mm -hmm. Um, but then, you know, you get some of the stuff like The Possessed by Alif Bottomen, um, her book of essays, and then I'm like, well, is it good because I did because I hated her novel? <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a lot of books on here that we've read though on the show, um, like uh, we're doing yeah, like great. Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk, right. which is an amazing book. Uh, the Department of Speculation, which we mentioned earlier. Um, what else is on here that we've read? Um, see here we had uh, um, my brilliant friend oh yeah the neapolitan novels yeah, yeah. um what we um, you know oh and then we, like in the top 12 are a couple books that i was definitely glad to see like the sellout by paul paul baby oh great book i don't know how to yeah. pronounce his last name but um that i'm i'm just finishing that book now and it's wonderful um, and then also to see Ben Lerner, I haven't read Leaving the Atocha Station. I read his second book, 1004, which was mind-blowing. I talked about it, I think, during a revisit mm-hmm. episode. So now I'm excited to read Leaving the Atocha Station. They, they put that as opposed to 1004. And then I already bought The Flamethrowers by Rachel Kushner. I'm so oh, excited to check that out. That book is amazing. Okay, yeah, because the second amazing. I read about it, I was like, what? How did I not know this book exists? So I bought that. Um, it's sprawling though. It's like six hundred pages. Okay, bring it on. Um, <laughs> you know, and I still do think that Franzen deserves to be up there. He's like the you know, and he's he's one of the top of the new classics. And they 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 chose the corrections, but then there's also a dissent where I think Wyatt Mason picked Freedom instead. I would be the dissenter who say that Purity is his best novel. Um, so that's interesting. But I just I, I still do think that he's like one of the greatest writers living right now. Um, I think there's a lot of backlash against him because of some of the grumpy things and weird stuff that he said. But still, I mean, you tear through his books so quickly and um, they, they still feel relevant even after what, 17 years since The Corrections was published. Like the second yeah. I see that cover, I want to read it again. I want to kind of curl up in that family story. Uh, and that's just amazing to me that I'm, I still want to go back and think about those people. I mean, that's just a great writer. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about the fact that there is no George Saunders on here. I know. Are you kidding oh my God. me? That's I know. Crazy. Lincoln and the like, Bardo too. I was, but not just that. Like any, any of his collections, collections. Twelve of December. I mean, any of his collections would have been, but certainly Lincoln and the Bardo did not make it right. a one hundred list of the best eight. Like that's mind-boggling to me. Um, and the other one is Jennifer Egan. She does not appear on this list. Yeah, yeah. she's I'm one surprised. of my favorites. Yeah. 
So that was a weird, you know, because I think she's had like at least two incredibly successful novels. You know, Visit, Visit from the Goon Squad yeah. is like it altered the way people read novels. Exactly, and predicted like the whole like the last chapter is a prediction of influencers and social media in a way that mm-hmm. she was like 10 years ahead of her time in right. terms of her thinking of the world. And she's proven to be exactly right with, you know, and that's just, um, that's, that's genius. Um, so I can't believe she didn't make it on somewhere on this list. Um, that was a little depressing. Um, I have never understood Murakami, uh, Hiroki Murakami, which is, mm-hmm. they have, uh, I forget which one, but you know, I just, I tried to read. I think they have IQ 84. Uh, I read some of his earlier ones that I really enjoyed, but I never read them. I don't get it. Um, And then the other one that's really missing for me is Matterhorn. um, Oh, yeah. I really. God, I forgot. I've recommended that book almost more than any other book because, you know, especially for, for, for male readers, like guys, when they're grown ups, tend to read nonfiction. Like every, mm-hmm. every guy I know who's not like a writer themselves, or even if they are a writer themselves, they tend to gravitate towards nonfiction, like history books and da 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 And so when, when I get asked, which I get asked because of this show or just because people know I'm a reader, I get asked by guys a lot, like, what should I read? What should I read? Matterhorn is the one that I recommend the most um, because it's a war mm-hmm. book, which I think right. a lot of dudes mm-hmm. want to read. They, they're immediately like, oh, okay, I'll give that a shot. And then, of course, it becomes, you know, and I tell them, look, don't be intimidated by how long this book is. You'll read it fast. And um, overwhelmingly, uh, like, everybody loves it. Everybody I give that book to comes back and says, that book changed my life. And everybody always talks about how they saw themselves in the book. And they saw them, their, themselves hmm. and their friends in the book. And so, like, I, I, th- I just think it's a really great work of, of fiction, um, you know, almost nonfiction because it's so clearly based on Carl Amar Lantis's uh, experience during the Vietnam War. And I also think that for people like right my age, the Vietnam War looms so large um, and it's just one of those subjects that we're fascinated in, fascinated by and want to sort of live in. So the fact that Matterhorn didn't make that list, I think along with, along with some other things reveals a bias in this list for contemporary books that are set in a contemporary period. Um, you know, mm-hmm. like I think, uh, I think that if, you know, a book that's about Vietnam, for instance, doesn't, doesn't rise to the surface of a critic's mind when they're thinking about books from 2000 to 2018, the same way that like Billy Lynn's halftime walk does, because of course that book is so clearly about, you know, Iraq war veterans, right. you know, during the Super Bowl in 2008, I think it's set, or maybe it's even right. earlier, uh, but you know, that, that sense of like immediacy and like, this is a book about the times feels more like what you want to say is a book of the times. But the reality is, like, I also, the book that I've reread now four times, or I've reread it three times since we read it on the show is Train Dreams. Um, oh, it's a great and, book, And, yeah. you know, they chose a different Dennis Johnson book. I think they, they had a, a short story collection, which, mm-hmm. um, or maybe they didn't. Did they even choose a Dennis Johnson book on this list? Isn't there, didn't they pick, um, hold on, let's see here. Uh, Either way, I feel like Train Dreams you know, you off, it, it feels timeless. It doesn't even feel like it was written in this period, but it, it was. It was published, I, I think, first in a magazine and then as a novella. And it's still one of my favorite things I've ever read, and I can't believe it didn't make it onto this list. So those are my omissions. Well, actually, that, oh, man, that's a really, what you're saying as a criticism of the list is actually making me feel, wouldn't it be so interesting to see lists 
you know, not based on publication date, but based on oh, setting. Right. So like best, best about this. you know, yeah. the best book about the 60s, right. you know, spanning from contemporary to now. That's that would a be cool really cool. idea. Um, that is cool. You know, um, and seeing how like our idea of certain eras or events changes over time or doesn't change or how maybe earlier books shape later books. That would be really cool. Someone go yeah. do it. <laughs> I, I suppose we could do we could do it and, and um, just the three of us and put it up on uh, Lit Hub or something and then have everyone tell us that we're shit. <laughs> um, do you guys ha- hear that herd of oh, elephants yeah, in my house? Yeah, it's my daughter. Those Jumanji she just was got going into all this. She's uh, pulled down ten seltzers <laughs> out of a cupboard and she's oh, rolling them around. Good. Glass bottles are great for kids to play with. That's uh... I, you know. They can't. They can't get cut. They don't bleed. Um, you know, two books that I was really surprised didn't make the list um, were The Empathy Exams by Leslie Jameson, mm-hmm. um, which is one of my all-time favorite essay collections. Um, and and then I know that I'm a big, um, you know, I toot my horn for this book all the fucking time, but actually, so three books. Um Empire Falls. Gangster Land. <laughs> Gangster Land Todd Goldberg. I can't even pronounce my own goddamn name. Um, <laughs> Empire Falls? <laughs> Empire That's Falls in the late it. 90s? I thought that was like 99. No, it was 2002. Oh, wow. Feels like a 90s. So Empire Falls, which won the Pulitzer Prize, and, you know, presages all of the stuff about school shootings has, has gone on in America. The, the end of the industrial mill towns in the eastern part of the country. It's a great story about evil uh, in small towns, but also about small town politics that then bubbles up to something bigger. But also, I'm stunned the devil in the white city did not oh, make it on here. That's like the defining nonfiction book of the last 20 years. I know. And, and for me, like, like, I can't imagine being the reader that I am today without having read Devil in the White City over yep. the course of the last 18 years. Yep. It, for me, yeah. it changed the way you can write... Um, essentially true crime. Yeah. Um, and I just, I'm, I'm stunned that it's not on here. Also because its breadth is like a novel, so it seems like it'd be an easy pick for um, for the critics here that uh, that made the selections. Um, let me let me go through a couple of these and ask you if you've ever heard of them. Okay? Hold on here. Okay. Um, Sleeping It Off in Rapid City by August Kleinzoller. I've heard no. the name, yes, but I don't know what it is. Okay. Um, American Genius, a comedy by Lynn Tillman. No, no. neither. Nope. Wizard of the Crow by, I'm not going to attempt to pronounce this. Yes. I've not heard of it. I have heard of that. That is very okay. recent. Um, Voice from Chernobyl by Svetlana Alexevich. Nope. Nope. <laughs> um, the Sluts by Dennis Cooper. No. I've only heard of it because I'm a fan of Dennis Cooper, but I don't know what it's about. There's a lot of these books that are small presses or foreign writers that I'm just not familiar with. But then there's something like Mortals by Norman Rush. And I'm like, how did I not know about this book? Not, I like Norman Rush. Yeah. But. I mean, I don't assume that I've heard of every book. But I'm not in the world like you are, Todd. I'm barely in the world. I haven't left the house since August. I don't mean the world world. I mean the writing world. <laughs> oh, not the real world. I haven't changed my underwear since Trump got elected. 
I know which which one of us between you and I is more in the real world. Oh, for right? sure you are. For sure you are. You're absolutely in the real world. Um, I, I would have liked to have seen, actually, in this article, some more dissents, um, where there's one book by an author picked, and there's the dissent of picking uh, another book by that author. Although, I think, in the case of, like, Philip Roth, so they, they picked uh, The Plot Against America, which I think is a great book. And then in Descent, Sloan Crossley picked The Human Stain, which I don't think is a very great book. Um, but, I mean, the it, it's folly, of course. Like, you know, trying to decide the best books 18 years into a century is absurd. But that's kind of fun. Like we, I really yeah. applaud the effort. It's fun. And I, I, I think there needs to be more of this. Um, because I, I just, I like I said, I bought three books already. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I love this kind of discussion. I think that, that there's always value in, in sort of coming together and trying to form a canon. I think it's really, uh, it, you know, like now I got to read The Last Samurai, apparently. Right. Like, what? <laughs> apparently we've got and, a, a, uh, something to do for our next episode. And it's soothing to look back, you know, like to make meaning of all this time and hours spent on books and feel like, you know, we have a collective body of knowledge, both as individuals and as mm-hmm. a culture. It's really yeah. nice. Um, there's a couple books in here, too, that um, I think are too low. Like, I think The Sympathizer by Viet Thanh Nguyen should be in the new canon. Um, I think mm-hmm. you could drop something. Drop things for people I know. That's that's the important thing. <laughs> no. But I think The Sympathizer, um, for instance is going to be one of those books that's read alongside um, the things they carried um, and, uh, and other books about the Vietnam War era in, in classrooms for the rest of our lives. And, you know, I, I, you, could, you could tell that the moment you open the book, that this is a book that's going to be important for longer than the time that it took you to read it. And I don't know if that's the case for, um, you, you know, 2666 by Roberto Bolano. I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think... That book is going to matter to readers in 25 years. I just don't think so. Well, you know how I feel about Bologna. I mean, I haven't read that one, but I tried to read The Savage Detectives and threw it against a wall. So, yeah. but people <laughs> love him, man. He comes. He's one of those people that comes up all the time. Um, yeah. Oh, you know what was also on this list that, that I haven't talked I'm... about is uh, the Carla Ove Nosgard uh, Volume Two of My Struggle, My Struggle. which I have just right. finished. And is unbelievable. I, I, I've talked Ooh. about how I can't help but keep reading these books, even though I, they shouldn't work and it doesn't make any sense that it's entertaining. But I just finished the second one, which is you know 600 pages, and I've, it's taken me like a year to read it. It's one of those books I like pick up, and I'll read like 20 pages at a time. But man, it is so good. And they, I think the second one is the best. And well, I've only read the two, but I'm gonna keep reading them. I'll probably be reading them for another 10 years, which is crazy. But I love them. But that's yeah. so yeah. fun. What a fun, it's nice experience. so weird experience. to love something that much that I wish I didn't. <laughs> I keep going back. It's, that's it, called addiction. It's okay yeah. to it's, love. It's called addiction. <laughs> so last week, Julia told us it's okay to be woke. This week, it's okay to love. Yeah. <laughs> it's called emotional labor, you guys. <laughs> told I'm really good at it. <laughs> Uh, Sometimes I'm like, what's my role in life? And everyone's like, you do a lot more emotional labor than you know you do. And then I say yes, and then I start crying. Oh, well, that's nice. I'm a believer in crying. It is nice. I think 
it's good cry more often unless they're being grilled by the senate um do i have any other big thoughts on the oh you know what i was surprised by frankly um is that juno diaz made the list i know i'm not surprised that the book made the list so the brief wonders life of oscar wilde that's a pretty great book it's like it's an amazing book um but there is you know there is a movement to not include him in things along with Sherman Alexi and other writers who have done bad things to women and it's that argument of how do you uh, separate the art from the artist so when he showed up on here I was like oh is there going to be any Sherman Alexi on this list um, Yeah, and no. there's not um, which is a surprise um, but I was, I was surprised by the inclusion but then also surprised that there wasn't a backlash online about it like I was waiting for the oh god how could they include him um, I don't know. Do, so, you, do you? I mean, what do you? Do you have any feelings like that they shouldn't have included him because of that? I mean, I don't know how I. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about yeah. it. I mean, you, like great art is often made by terrible human beings. Right. Now, do I want to give those people my money? No. No. I don't. It's also, um, but it's also, it's interesting because, like, I feel like I have a much clearer answer if I'm thinking about a comedian or an actor or a filmmaker right. because I guess they're still. Um, like, you have to pay to go see them live or right. support them in their latest project. Whereas, like, with books, there's something, like, I can kind of divorce a little easier a great work of, of writing from the person it turned out that, that that person was. Do you know what I mean? I guess maybe because you read old books from, like, slaveholders often. Right. You know what I mean? If we're talking about any literature before a certain time period, they're all pretty awful people in so many real ways, and yet reading those books can still be incredibly valuable and um so i don't know i i guess with with writing it's a little easier for me to to separate the art from the person mm-hmm. uh but right but, will i buy a new juno diaz book yeah that's the question yeah that's a good right. question yeah. and i think you know this vega will not is, no. she is anti- <laughs> like no, he is canceled she's, she's cracking erased. up Looking at her reflection in the refrigerator. Well, I'm letting her crawl all over my house, which you should I'll, not I'll do. give you a, uh, a anyway. good example. So recently, um, the writer Ron Carlson, it was revealed that when he was teaching at a prep school back east in the 1970s and early 1980s, that he was, that he assaulted, sexually assaulted a 15-year-old girl. And, you know, rumors had persisted for a long time that Ron was not uh, a faithful husband <laughs> or a uh, faithful boyfriend, you know, all these things. And, I, you know, I, I know him only casually, um, but like I can, I can sometimes, um, I can sometimes be like, well, someone's a shitty husband. That's not that unusual, but you don't get beyond assaulting a 15 year old girl. And I'm just like, I'm not ever going to read a single thing that he writes. I'm not ever going to teach the stuff that he writes. I'm not going to tell people to go look at the videos of Ron Carlson writes a story. I'm just not going to do it. And this is, you know, this is a real person who I've talked to and had actual conversations with in life. I actually, uh, uh, I optioned a short story of his to, to make it to a screenplay. I did not hear this yet, so I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, oh, um, congratulations. This was, this was years ago. This was five years right. ago. Todd will never see it. Shit. <laughs> Oh god. Yeah, so he's such the, a he was such a nice guy. Oh, of course. 
Well, yeah, he's, oh, a, I he's feel so a, gross. He's a charming guy. He's a charming person. And and I should also say, throughout my career, extraordinarily generous to me. Extraordinarily generous. Um, and I, we share a lot of good friends together. But as soon as I saw that, I'm like, I, I wouldn't eat in the same room as that person, much less read their books. Um, well, and here's the thing. This list is the perfect example of why you shouldn't include people on the list is because they're literally taking up a spot that someone else mm. could have. Right, but you if know? we're looking back like, on... But this, this is, a, is the but most this is literal. A book, I mean, I don't know, because this is a list that's trying to be as objective as possible about the quality of the, the work themselves, itself, right. right? So, like, separating yeah. it from what we, like, now know about somebody seems, um, seems like part of the project. Like, I don't know. It's like voting for people it's for the Baseball Hall of Fame and finding out that they, you know, have been at a gambling problem or through games or whatever it is. Like, arbiting the, the quality of the past when you know the present, that's that's what books get written about. <laughs> you know? Yep. Well, but, 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 but just as a show of, like, so, Julia, you're on the side of maybe that Juno Diaz should not have been included on this list because of his behavior? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm softer than I'm not on the most extreme yeah. end um, partially because I like the book but and that biases me but when I think about you know fun home not being on right. here there's no Roxanne Gay on here you know there's no a little life on here you know like I bet those books came up in consideration and then it was like nope Juno Diaz was so amazing that we have to put him on here. He and essentially validated geek culture yeah. with right. that book. Right. Like he he gave that voice to a thing that has risen. Like the Comic Con culture of America is shown inside Oscar Wilde. Yeah. Um, and you can't you can't take that away from the knowledge that we have of the world that this great piece of literature exists, irrespective of whether or not this guy's a scumbag. I just yeah. won't. I don't know. I mean. Like, I haven't taught any of his work in, in the last year. Like, I used to always include, for someone writing short stories, I'd, I would frequently have them read Fiesta 1980, um, if they were just starting, like, if they are just getting into it, because I just love that short story. It's just a brilliant short story. And I just took them off the list. Like, I just I didn't want to give them money. See, I don't know. I, I, mean, don't... I, feel, like, I feel like moving yeah. forward, it, no, when you know something, you know, so amoral about somebody's behavior or horrible things like i think moving forward it's important not to you know like i wouldn't i wouldn't buy a, a, a juno diaz book probably um and i wouldn't um i wouldn't hire him or you know do anything that sort of supports him moving forward but if we're looking back i mean there's just so many great books written by problematic people that i would hate right. to lose what those books still have to offer um, and I and I think that if we get too overzealous in like our current moment, there there is a danger of losing, you know. And I'm definitely not one of these like Western civ pure purists. Like we need to protect it. I just think it, that they should still be part of the discussion and they should still be debated. You know that we shouldn't write mm -hmm. off Aristotle because he had slaves or you know what name your right. historical anybody who had you know a completely different cultural context that they were they were writing from um, I don't know I, th I still think that we should be debating those books or, or at least including them for discussion yeah, I, I, yeah and I think part of it going forward um, 
talking about these authors for the next, you know, 30 years or whatever, is going to include these books in the context of their lives, which is, in one way, smart, but in another way, it's not like, you know, it's not like authors are their characters, you know? It's not like, I'm not, I haven't killed my wife, but I sure have killed a lot of people's wives in books. Um, and I, I don't know, I mean, I think it's really hard when discussing fiction and a person to try to decide about the person based on their fiction. Um, but I think that, you know, when we're talking about the context of the 21st century, the art and the artist are more available now than they ever have been. Mm -hmm. And so you have this personal connection with the people creating art and that separates the, or that, that, that evaporates that line that used to exist where you never knew the person creating the book or the, or the song or the movie or whatever. Yeah. That's not true anymore. You know, well, Twitter as, you know, as, you know what the real solution is, is people should stop us all. That's the other great idea that I think um, we can add. Well, I think don't. Hopefully that's don't where we're assault. headed, right? Just, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, it I, better I don't know. be. Hopefully this is a giant purge. Just, I've never felt lower about the idea that we're going to stop assaulting people than in the last, I don't know. 24 to 48 hours. Man, you should feel positive because I think that I, I honestly, like I know that the Kavanaugh thing is such a bummer, but in reality, we've already come, even this, like this, we have come far since the Clarence Thomas Anita Hill because like at least now it wasn't able to be dismissed to the same, like the argument that she wasn't even sexually assaulted raised was raised in the first couple of days that she came forward and then that was quickly taken off the table as like a non-argument you know they, and just the fact that like you couldn't write off the actions that she was describing as horseplay or whatever they attempted to try and like sort of dismiss it as whereas i feel like in the anita hill case it was it was so much more a question of is this even a thing harassment right. what does that even mean and like that was the discussion back then. Now it's not even a discussion. It's like this is was assault. It's just whether it, it happened or not and whether this this guy did it or not. And I think that right. that shows a huge cultural shift that you know, hopefully 17-year-old boys don't think they can get away with this behavior anymore because I mean just generationally I believe Brett Kavanaugh probably didn't think that that was assault, you know, back in his day. And that's the most right. disturbing part well, of the whole situation to me. I I don't want to go too deep into this subject because we all know by the time this episode comes out, who knows what will have happened. But I don't know, Ryder. I feel really depressed because there's such a huge divide in these points of view. I mean, I don't think everyone thinks that was assault. And they certainly think, like, a huge message that's being sent is women should not report unless they have a lot and of police witnesses. Backup. That's, like, the <laughs> main right. thing. Um, and the other thing is, is a lot of people are saying, like, uh, what a person did when they were 17 shouldn't count for when they're 50. And that's upsetting because there's a lot of 17-year-old boys out there. There's listening. also a lot of 17-year-old boys you know in what I prison. Mean? You know, 17-year-olds yeah. that commit a crime or try as an adult and spend the rest of their life in prison. Mm -hmm. It counts. Yeah. It counts. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's... Maybe we've evolved, but the evolution is super painful, and it does feel like a step back that this whole thing happened and nothing will happen. Like, what I feel today is, like, everyone I know who's been sexually assaulted, which is a solid quarter mm -hmm. of my friends, 
um, is like so traumatized and upset and texting each other and crying all day and there's no result, you know? And that's just how it feels. And that is yeah. But if you're feeling really, really bad and you want to escape, say, um, intellectual life for, I don't know, about, this would take probably a year and a half, you can read 100 great books as presented by Vulture. Yeah. You can fall into literature. And honestly, yeah, good transition, Todd, but also, <laughs> for real... True. I, I do feel like the times when I'm most calm and feel like, okay, we're going to figure this out, everything's going to be okay, is when I'm absorbing a lot yeah, of literature. Yeah. Because it feels, it can't react as fast as every other kind of media. So it feels more thoughtful and measured and with a deeper perspective. Yeah, you can read Atonement, for instance, by Ian McEwen and find out how telling a lie can ruin people's lives. Yes. <laughs> For instance, I've actually never read that that, that book, but seeing it on the oh, list made me realize oh, really I want to rewatch the movie because I love the movie. The the book is um, amazing, Good. and I mean, knowing what the twist is uh, ahead of time will affect the reading of it. But when I read that book originally, and I, the twist is revealed, I was like, <gasps> "No!" That's the best fucking feeling on earth. I, and I read it the right best. after I read the corrections. Um, and so in my mind, these books are tied together. And they're both really about lies and families. And the difference, though, is that um, in McEwen's novel, like, it's not an existential ruining of a life. It's an actual ruining of a life. <laughs> and so I've always thought, like, oh, yeah, The Corrections is a, is a great book. But Atonement is, like, it, it shows you that Franzen's a deep thinker and that Ian McEwen exists on a whole other level. Interesting. Um, all right, I'll read, yeah. I'll read it. And, yeah, it's a good argument for fiction because it can really, like, go to that dark of a yeah. place oh. of let's ruin somebody's fictional life and play right. it out. Oh, God, that book is so good. In a way that's really hard to write about yeah. in nonfiction. And that atonement is in, one of, is, in the, uh, is in the canon at the top of, uh, of this list. Um, but anyway, literary disco listeners, you'll be happy because a lot of the books that we've read um, on the show and then you've read are on this list. And you will feel very smart, um, and then you'll go back and listen to see what writer ranted about and whether he's remained consistent over the course of the last 18 years of our show. <laughs> um, the short answer is a, no. No, I, it, I just argue. I should also like, say just uh, one other thing about this list. Um, it's actually the result of something very cool, which is that Vulture and a couple other magazines owned by the same media company, whose name has escaped me all of a sudden, have decided to um, up the amount of books coverage that they're going to do. But Vulture in specific Yay. is like tripling their books coverage. And they debuted um, this new focus with this list of 100 great books from the first 18 years of our century. Um, and I am just always excited when there's more books coverage, but also books coverage written by fantastic people. So the, the level of the writers that Vulture got to work on this project um, tells me that it's going to be a really nice project that they're doing uh, in general with their with their coverage. Um, so that's a good thing. Um, and arguing about books is always a lot more fun than arguing about um, well, Supreme anything Court. else. Judgeship. Court. <laughs> what movie to watch? Do you want to go to Chili's? 
I always want to go to Chili's. All right, so listeners, send us your send us your omissions from this list. Go through, tell us what you think uh, was was sorely missed, or tell us what you really loved that is on this list that maybe we hated. Let's argue about books, is what I'm saying. Keep arguing. Hell Keep yeah. Hell yeah, yo.